Today's episode is brought to you by Cradlepoint. The future of WAN is wireless, but a wireless connection is only as good as the edge. Cradlepoint unlocks the power of advanced cellular through wireless edge solutions that are delivered the way you consume everything IT, as a service. Learn more about Cradlepoint's cloud-managed LTE solutions at cradlepoint.com slash packetpushers. Cradlepoint.com slash packetpushers. Today's show is sponsored in part by InterOptic. Stop paying OEM prices for optics and get brand-equivalent transceivers at a fraction of the cost. InterOptic is your reliable data interconnect company. Find out more at interoptic.com slash packet dash pushers. Today's episode is brought to you in part by ExtraHop. Think analytics, folks. ExtraHop is the enterprise cyber analytics company delivering performance and security from the inside out. More on ExtraHop later in the show, but if you just can't wait, visit extrahop.com slash packetpushers to find out more. T-Rex is an open source traffic generator backed by Cisco, and joining us in heavy networking is Anok Haim, Principal engineer with Cisco and lead developer on the T-Rex project. Now, this is not a sponsored show. I heard about T-Rex from one of you in the audience who was interested in knowing more about it, and I thought it was a really interesting open source alternative to commercial traffic generators that can cost like huge budget numbers, six figures and, and plus. I've worked with them before. So anyway, I reached out to Anok, and he was kind enough to join me for this episode to talk about T-Rex. Uh, Anok, welcome to the show. And man, let's jump right into it. Uh, this this project is your baby. I've watched several of your presentations about it. So so you're the best person to ask this question to at, at a high level. Give us the overview. What is T-Rex? Okay, T-Rex, you know, we started this thing um, maybe four years ago, maybe five. We had a problem in Cisco. You know, I am router developer. We are developing routers and we are developing a stateful feature. And we had problem to test the feature in high scale, in 100 gig. You know, when we bought Spirant, it had 5 gig, and if you had more stateful capability, it reduced the performance. So we couldn't test our feature, our routers, in high scale with stateful feature. And then we started with a small software-based traffic generator that tests only our component, which was DPI, and then it became bigger and bigger because many in Cisco uses it, and we open source that. And you know, it, because it's a software, we can add more and more feature. So it's a traffic generator in software. It's based on DPDK, and the main point of the traffic generator is scale. Scale everywhere. Scale with number of flow. Scale of bandwidth. Scale with stateful traffic, stateless traffic for testing switches. And, and even advanced stateful traffic for testing firewalls and some rules about some advanced feature about stateful. Yeah, in a nutshell, I, I, I get it. And there's, there's a lot of use cases for this we're going we're gonna to talk about here. But, but I got to ask you guys first, uh, why open source this as Cisco? I mean, Cisco, you, you guys are great at writing software and making money from it. So why did you guys decide to open source T-Rex? Um, it's a good question because we, uh, you know, I didn't know. It's it's one two guys project, and when we did that for our, our feature, there was, nobody wanted you know to to sell it. So we open source it. This is the best alternative. And by the way, it's it's pay off because now it's a standard in the industry, and Ericsson is helping us. Helping is, is sending commit and are helping in the commit and Intel and Mellanox help. 
and it's based on DPDK, which is open mm. source. So it it makes sense yeah. to open source. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about use cases then, so people understand what exactly they would do this thing. Maybe people haven't used tra a traffic generator before, so they maybe have a sense. Okay, it generates traffic. Well, uh, I'll go back in time and I can tell a little story of my own that I, I shared with you in email. Um, that yeah. is, I used to work for a financial services company. We had a, a breaking point box that we'd bought. I think they since got purchased by Ixia, but at the time, breaking point was you know an up and coming uh, system. And the idea was you generate all this traffic within the breaking point system through our test infrastructure so that we could find out literally when something in that infrastructure would break. We had load balancers, we had web servers, we had some reverse proxies, we had some uh, SSL termination devices, all of which needed to be tested. So we knew where the weak points were because we had a, a load problem. We had a scaling problem or challenge that we needed to be very sure that the infrastructure could handle. And we spent a lot of money on this breaking point gear to make all of that happen. Um, so th there's one example of where you would want to generate large amounts of traffic because you've got something in your infrastructure. You need to know when it breaks so you can design around those limitations appropriately. Um, do you have some other use cases you'd like to share, Hannah? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, we started uh, in the same, you know, in the same problem. We are doing some, as I said, stateful feature, deep packet inspection, and there is now use cases in Cisco. It's called SD1, right? You you are uh, running in the head and and in the branch a lot of stateful feature like firewall, IPsec. IPsec is not a stateful feature, but deep packet inspection uh, and security. And you want, you know, because of those features that are complex, it's not a switch. It's not like one packet get in, there is one lookup, it costs the same for all the packets. The, the traffic is, is, is matter for the performance. So if you get a complex SSL or TLS traffic, it will have more CPU utilization from the box, from the gear, right? And if you have a different traffic pattern, the performance will be different. So we needed to simulate a, a real-life scenario of traffic. This, this, this is how it starts. And it started with one feature and, and become bigger, simulating more and more nuance of the traffic so we can test more of the system test. Okay, and again, we started with Spirant, Ixia, and Breaking Point, but more old than, uh, you know, Spirant. And, and we added more and more features to simulate, at the end, a real scenario of, of traffic. And this is the use case. This is the main use case. Mm. And then, you know, and, and we call it Emix. Emix is a simulator, a simulation of patterns of traffic that usually come from the enterprise to the network. For example, Citrix, uh, some HTTP, Google, TLS, uh, video, and some, we, the, the pattern, we call this Emix, and we test with this pattern the performance of the system test of the SD1, which has a lot of stateful feature in the end and in the in, in the branch. This is the main use case that we start with, and you know now firewall or security can take this and test only the security, only one gear, not the system. Or if you have one feature, you can test only the one, the one feature. So this is one use case. We call it stateful. Another use case is stateless, which to test switches, which is less of an issue, but 
In this case, you need, you know, stream, stream of traffic, like UDP, with a specific rate and specific pattern, like, um, like TCP scene attack or, or, or some, something that, that matter to the switch, okay? And in this case, there are high rate of traffic and high rate of control plane, like TXCP or uh, IGMP and so forth. This is the main use cases. So you just described, a, you know, really a whole, there's two like major categories here. I mean, you're, you're talking in the terms of stateful and stateless, but I'm going to back out yeah. like from a perspective. So on the one perspective, I'm an end user, I'm a consumer of networks and I build out infrastructures and data centers and so on yeah. with lots of uh, links in the chain, so to speak, as a packet is being processed to and from my infrastructure. That's one perspective on yeah. things that you can test. The perspectives, yeah. most of what you just shared was the equipment manufacturer perspective. Cisco has an SD-WAN product. We need to put an, an e-mix, an yeah. enterprise mix of traffic through it and make sure that you know the application identification is working and that the, the, the load is uh, being uh, carried properly. Or there's a security device and you want to make sure that um, that's all working as expected. Or there's a switch with a particular interest in a certain kind of packet type and you, you're going to shove as much of that traffic through that device exactly. as it can and make sure that it's going. So this is, it's really broad what you can do with this. Um, yeah. and, and it's also very important, I think, for folks to realize that this isn't, you see things in your infrastructure when you stress it and put it under a load that you will never see when it's lightly utilized. Putting an infrastructure under high stress, under very high load is, um, you really see some interesting and sometimes really weird things pop out. Exactly. So this, this exactly. is awfully important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so going back to some of what you were describing with your use cases, like testing security, um, security equipment working as anticipated and doing the inspections or the you know, stopping of traffic as anticipated. Uh, an end user like me would could be use that as well. Okay, I'm going to push all this traffic through my you know firewall and IPS and make sure that they behave like I expect. So sure, it comes from uh, you, Cisco, or whoever the vendor is um, tested. But then I'm going to want to test it and certify it for my own peace of mind as well. Um, and, and exactly. I, I, yeah. This is by the way. This is exactly what customers are doing. Customers are, are buying UCS because this is what we recommend, but you can buy any x86 box. By the way, now uh, power added support and ARM added support, uh, it's more effective in power, and you can run TMX on that and, and test your, don't believe us, run right. run emix and, and, and run your use cases on, on, uh, on, on your gear, and your, on the solution, and you can test. By the way, if you are testing solution, it's more, it makes sense to, to run emix because it simulates network, traffic from the network, like real application. Right. More like what if you're just going to take Wireshark and do a, do a span and just kind of capture what's going through your, your core. It, it looks more like that. It's that kind of a mix. I've seen the graphs from your, your presentation, yeah, how you do exactly. that mix. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do. Well, it is, dig into those platforms for me more. Like you mentioned, there's a Cisco UCS platform that Cisco recommends for running T-Rex. But as you said, okay. it is open source. I can run it on lots of things. Well, yes. like what kind of CPU do I need? How much RAM? Mm -hmm. You know, dig into it for me. Okay, okay. So let's split it to two main use cases. The first use case is a lot of traffic, and I want it in my premises, and it should be run on my hardware. So in this case, you need to buy probably UCS, and if you want to get to 400 gig, 
probably the Intel XL710, uh, six of them, and then you can get to maybe or or maybe uh, four NICs of uh, Melanox that can do 200 gig. Uh, one of them can do 100 gig uh, line rate almost, and then you can get to really high performance. From this is one one aspect of high performance. I want to replace Ixia, and but there is another aspect that now become more hot is cloud. I want to test a scenario in the cloud. I want to test it on Azure. You know, I we just released an Azure, uh, and we work in Microsoft about that. And now in Azure, you can reach very high performance on one core. You just take a VM. I have a meeting in with Microsoft right now. And they want to create a VM that has a T-Rex inside and just open this VM and everything will be ready to you. You don't need to install anything. And then you can test with one core, five mega packet per second or even 20, I think 30 mega BPS on one core in, in, the, in, the, in the cloud. If you want to test a service in the cloud, for example, CSR in the cloud or a Juniper router in the cloud or whatever service that you want in the cloud. This is, the, this is something that now become more um, attractive to user to generate traffic in the cloud. And everything will work for you the same. We got lots of follow-up questions here. So one, um, you had mentioned Mellanox NICs as an example. So yeah. uh, is this about the bus speed of the NIC or is this about no. the, the NIC has got fancy uh, offload? It's an FPGA that can do you know packet magic. Okay, good question. Um, there is no offload. By the way, there is another set of NICs. Uh, I think it's called, they added the support. Um, what the name of the company? That they have a FPGA, huge FPGA, but we don't use the, the accelerator. We are looking into the driver the same. We are just pushing packet. All the logic reside in the T-Rex software itself. So it's the same functionality will be equal almost to all the NICs. The NICs are stupid. Just pushing packet and getting okay. packet with, with smart uh, filter. What's special with Melanox that they can do almost line rate in PCI 16, uh, 100 gig. No, no NIC can do that. It is the best NIC for 100 gig today. Yeah, but again, right, we're not doing offload. It's just all about the hardware, the chip. As you said, it's it's basically, it's a stupid NIC. It doesn't have any fancy intelligence yes. on board, like, yes. a, like, like a Netronome NIC might or, yes. you know, something like that. Yes, okay. exactly, exactly. Uh, and there is another one of optimization that we do for uh, XL710 that in case of stateless, we are uh, doing the counting in the receive side using the hardware. And I think we can do it in Melanox too, but we don't do it right now. So you can you can discard the receive side and accelerate accelerate that. But Melanox is do, is good in compressing the packet because it's a PCI 16. The maximum theoretical bandwidth that you can do in one slot is about 120. So they get close to mm -hmm. 100 by compressing the packet in the PCI. But the driver is doing it for you. And, and then just back to the main board, um, CPU and RAM. I'm guessing CPU is pretty important. RAM maybe not quite as important? Mm, opposite. The um, CPU, because everything is, is derived from the I.O. 
So PCI is important. Mm-hmm. The number of channel of the DRAM is important. If you want high performance, if you want 300 gig or 400 gig, you must at least in each NUMA, in each socket, you need two sockets of CPU. Okay, usually we are using two sockets of CPU, four channel at least in each, in each uh, socket of the, the DRAM. And the CPU is less of important. If you have eight or 10 core, you, you will reach to the, you know, not the fanciest one. Yeah, you can do two gigahertz uh, CPU yeah. with yep. 10, eight core, the cheapest, and, and it will do that 200 gig. Cores are more important than, than, than raw clock speed then. Yeah, IO. IO is more yeah. important. By yeah. the way, just to mention that AMD now has a new architecture that has more NUMA in its chip. I think in each socket, they can have four different I.O. zones. It's called NUMA. So in this architecture, you will, be, you will have much more bandwidth. You can reach maybe a terabit of bandwidth. We, didn't, we don't have this UCS with uh, this architecture yet, but I think they solved the I.O. problem that exists today in uh, Intel. Okay, everyone, this episode is on pause to briefly consider wireless WAN with today's sponsor, CradlePoint. CradlePoint understands that the future of the WAN is wireless, but a wireless connection is only as good as the edge. CradlePoint unlocks the power of advanced cellular through wireless edge solutions that are delivered the way you consume everything that is IT as a service. Reliable, elastic, simple to manage from anywhere. Maybe you've never heard of CradlePoint. Fair enough. CradlePoint is a global leader in cloud-delivered wireless edge solutions for branch, mobile, and IoT networks. And that means they have hardware you put on-prem that builds your WAN using wireless data services. Their boxes can be standalone or uplinked to your router via an Ethernet port. There's lots of choices in their product line to support whatever architecture you have in place today or need to build tomorrow. Now, don't limit your thinking to just connecting buildings. Think about connecting anyone, anywhere. The CradlePoint NetCloud service, delivered through routers with built-in LTE, delivers an agile, pervasive, and software-defined wireless edge that connects people, places, and things everywhere over LTE. And if you're pondering the mysteries of 5G, yes, CradlePoint has you covered with a clear pathway to get you there. You manage your CradlePoint environment via their NetCloud Manager tool that offers secure onboarding of devices with zero-touch provisioning, exactly what you'd expect. And you can set up SD-WAN with CradlePoint 2, either with their own solution or as part of an SD-WAN solution you might already be rolling out. And maybe you're thinking about IoT and security. Yeah, CradlePoint's got you covered there. Their NetCloud Perimeter solution handles that. CradlePoint is an established company. More than 18,000 active enterprise and government organizations around the world rely on them to keep critical branches, points of commerce, field forces, vehicles, and IoT devices always connected and protected. Interested? Okay. So to learn more about CradlePoint's cloud-managed LTE solutions, visit cradlepoint.com slash packetpushers. One more time, that is cradlepoint.com slash packetpushers. And now, back to the podcast. All right, so it's not a super exotic box that I need to make this happen no. um, at all. The magic is in the software. It's talking to, uh, or it, it, the performance we're getting is is not tied into hardware acceleration and something exotic. Is is my point? It's it's all about the yeah. software and the way you're doing it. Yeah. Okay. Um. Actually, okay. actually, now you are raising another point. Maybe I need to mention because there was a lot of question. There are specific nick that we. We write what we support and what we don't support in the hardware uh, recommendation. 
Usually, people take a nick that we don't support, and by chance, it's running with DPDK, and then something doesn't work for them. We are not query what we support and what we don't support. So there, there is a need to make sure that if you want high speed, make sure you are you are taking and buying a specific nick that was uh, recommended. And there is a lot, there are tons of nick like that. But there are another option. You can use Linux driver, and then you can run with any hardware, but you will be limited to one mega packet per second because you are copying the packet to the kernel and from the kernel. You don't have the acceleration. Okay, there is an abstraction layer. And that, that, that act of copying just introduces a, a big slowdown in the, uh, the, the packet pipeline, if you will. Yes, yes. Yeah. All, the, all the trick in DPDK that you are doing batch of packets, every time you are directly into the DMA memory, you copy 64 packets, and you amortize the packet cost. And in, in Linux, you can do something like that, but there is kernel user space. So everything, every time you are talking to the kernel, you are slow, slowing down. But it's, it's good for use cases of wireless, for example. If you want to generate traffic to a wireless device, uh, and the performance is not that big that you need, right, to test an AP. And this is what we do. So we are, uh, you know, using this mod. We are, we are using the Linux driver on top of uh, a wrapper that can talk to any Linux driver. And the Linux of wireless are very complex. So you cannot abstract everything into a user space. And we, you can use that. One, one port is wireless and one, another port is wired. This is the use case in, in that scenario. Okay. Now, uh, Anakin, another question about performance is related to different classic, uh, different traffic types. So you've mentioned along the way stateless, stateful, and I know from digging into T-Rex, there's uh, some custom types maybe. So it, now when a network engineer hears stateless and stateful, they automatically think something like UDP for stateless and TCP yes. for stateful. Is that what we're talking about? Or are you talking about something else? Okay. Uh, maybe let's zoom in into this. Stateless usually it's uh, it's based on stream. You can define any any template of packet. Like you can say I want to generate uh, some UDP packet or SYN packet. Let's take in stateless SYN attack. Yeah, you mentioned that, and I want to create a SYN attack, right? So you are taking a SYN packet as a template, and then you can write a program and you build it ahead of time and say, hey, I want to change the source IP destination, and destination is the same because I want to attack it. And then I change the source port. Okay, and then I can run a program that change the source IP and the source port and fix the checksum and so forth. And then you can bump in, in, in one core can generate something like between 10 to 20 mega packet per second, one core. So multiply it with number of core, you can reach really high rate of traffic in stateless. Is the fastest mode that you can reach in, in, in this. So this is the scenario. You can take a pattern of traffic. This is called a stream. You can add 20K stream, and you can create a small program to each stream what you want to change every time we generate a new packet. This is the model. But the idea is we're just generating a stream of packets that go out, and we don't really care what happens to them. The idea is to put a load on the wire with this particular yes. mix and, and changes that may need to be made depending on what we're trying to accomplish. It's just, it's just going out. We're trying to fill the pipe up to some rate. Exactly. But no, but there is another side is the to receive side. When you receive a specific pattern, you can count it. It's called uh, flow stats. 
if you get this pattern, I want to count it. Count it. How many packets from this pattern I got? How many packets from this packet I got? Usually we create a stream. It's called flow stat stream. It's a property of the stream that you say, I want to count this pattern. There is some limitation what pattern you can count. And some, some Nick, as I said, can count it in hardware. And this is really good because you don't pay for the counting. You don't need the packet only for counting this pattern. So this is stateless, and there's another feature in stateless which called latency. This is important. You can generate a stream of latency, and this is like a sub-rate of the total traffic. Like if you're generating 100 megapacket per second, you can take like one megapacket per second from the same type and say, hey, this pattern, I want to measure the latency of this packet, like ping, but in high, higher rate, and then I can you know, sample the queue in, in the system and see what is the latency, what is the GTA, what is the histogram of the, of the latency and so forth. This is a very useful feature. And we're measuring latency between, so again, there's a, there's a sender and then there's a receiver. There's a, basically a, yes. a, kind of like a server and a client. There's a sender and a receiver. The receiver is measuring uh, that, um, and we know because we know on the sending side when it left and on the receiving side when it was received and can measure latency exactly. there. We put the metadata. We're not adding latency, no, because no, no, that, no. that would be a different, whole different tool set doing a different thing. But we're measuring that latency, which is really we important when we're doing testing. Yeah. yeah, we are measuring the latency. Usually the router, you know, if you are talking about stateful or stateless, usually there is no latency because it's, uh, you know, sim simpler box like switches. They take the packet, do everything in hardware. The hardware doesn't add there is no complexity in hardware. But if you will take a firewall or, a, you know, ASR1K that has stateful feature, there, there will be more latency because it's more software-based. Or AP, there will be more latency. Now, if you are talking about, you know, now we are talking, right, and there is an RTP, uh, the jitter is important. The jitter is important, the latency is important, and we want make to, to make sure that there is no queue somewhere that has a latency. And if you go up in the bandwidth, you will get to the point that there will be a latency because the CPU is high, the queuing is becoming bigger and bigger, and there will be latency and jitter. And by the way, we work very hard that if you do a loopback, meaning if you test nothing, the latency will be very low from T-Rex perspective because T-Rex itself sends traffic and receives traffic, right? that the traffic generator itself won't have latency and jitter by itself, and the <laughs> resolution right. will be one microsecond, uh, and which, which is pretty good in hardware. The tool uh, itself needs to be invisible, or, or it's throwing off the, the thing that you're actually yes. trying to measure, which is the equipment that this traffic is going through exactly. in this case. And, and as you were saying, different equipment, as you begin to you ramp up the packet per second rate, you ramp up the, the bandwidth potentially, and you start hitting a saturation point somewhere in that device. That's what you're trying to figure out. Where, where does this thing begin to, to fall off? When does the graph start going bad on me and I've reached the limitations of that device? And, and right, we wouldn't want T-Rex to be uh, influencing the, the those measurements <laughs> by having a problem, yeah. Yeah, what we did, if, if I can add, you know, just one, you know, technical. What we did, we are we having a special core only for this traffic. It doesn't do anything. It is idle all the time. 
So from sending perspective, we have special queue that do only the latency packet. And, this, and those queue are in the EF queue. You know, uh, there is no latency on those queue in the transmit side. In the receive side, there is a filter to, to forward those packets to a, to a core that do nothing. And because of that, even if you can have 200 mega packets per second, but the other queue are full, we have priority to the latency. And when we get it back, we have a core that doesn't do anything. And, and again, there is a priority to those queues. You're describing a packet dequeuing system where for this kind of traffic that is very latency yes. sensitive, you make sure that there's, first of all, there's hardware available to service In it. In side. Yes, in T-Rex yes, side. yes, 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 yes. And then, um, on the, uh, exactly, on T-Rex side, this is how T-Rex is dealing with this. And uh, so the hardware is available to, to dequeue it, and if anything shows up in that queue, it's going to get you know, first treatment uh, by the software, so it's exactly. always going to go out the door in a timely fashion. Yeah. Okay, okay. so that was stateless traffic, streaming, yeah. um, changing what that traffic looks like depending on the parameters. Now, okay, contrast that with stateful traffic. Okay, stateful traffic is totally different architecture. It's the same scheduler in the code, but different architecture because now we are talking about, you know, let's start with the router again. What the router do when you get a packet in case of stateful? Let's take the simplest feature. It's the first need to classify to client, right? And there is the cache of the client, cache of the server, and then classify to a flow, and then look up for this flow. See what is the state of this flow. Maybe we need, you know, to uh, do a regex or to open the TLS or so forth. So every type of packet is important. Every payload is important, and because of that, we are we need, you know, to generate specific pattern for testing stateful. Now, from TX perspective, we are doing the opposite. We are generating client. You can specify what is the pool of the client. I have. 10 clients in this range, 100 clients in another range, and so forth. And I can specify the server side. Like DNS have one server usually. HTTP has many servers, right, and with specific distribution. And I can specify the template of the traffic. I can specify what is the, you know, it's a TLS. I can capture a pickup file and then analyze it and then replay it on top of a TCP stack. So if, even if there is a NAT that change the inside and outside and there is a, a, a firewall that do thin, you know, um, thin uh, randomization and so forth, all the, all the complex feature or DPI, I can, you know, the traffic will be, the, the DOOT device under test will think that there is, this is a realistic use case of traffic. And, and this is a complexity. We have all the state in T-Rex. So we have client object, we have flow object, we have all the state of the application, we simulate application, but it's not a real application. But, you know, the, the simulation that we do, it's, it's in, in the level that all of our features, Cisco feature, think that this is enough for the simulation of the application. Now, this was, if I remember from reading in um, different presentations that you've made, this was uh, grabbing traffic off the wire as a PCAP and letting T-Rex replay it, or, or more than that? Yeah. No, no, there is more than that. Okay. Actually, okay, for, for advanced stateful, let's take advanced stateful. There is a, 
there is a layer that simulates application and uh, on top of a TCP stack, a real TCP stack. So if you have a drop of packet, there will be a retransmission. And then on top of a DPDK, that batch packet in transmit and receive. But let's talk about now TCP is not that, you know, they did it for 20 years ago, about simulation of application. We can, there is a utility that can take a pickup file. We analyze the layer 7 of the pickup file. For example, there is, let's take an HTTP, which is simple. You get a get and then response, right? So we can take the get and open a socket and then write the get into the socket and then wait to the response from the server side. In some cases, it's TRX itself that do this, the response, right? It's a different. So the building block of the advanced stateful is instruction to the engine that said, what do I need to do now? It's like a programming language. We can take a pickup file, analyze it, and write the code, everything into instructions for you. And it is, it is not a full layer seven application stack for an infinite number of protocols, but it is enough yeah. intelligence that you can uh, simulate state for a whole bunch of different protocols on a simplistic level, yeah. enough to accomplish testing. Exactly. For example, if you have Citrix, right? If you have a Citrix and you have a lot of request and response on, on, some, on some simulation, we are loading the layer seven and then... Uh, and, and we can say, okay, I, now I, I write a request. I wait to a response. Once I got the response, I will do something else, and then, then I can delay. I simulate a delay in the network, and then I can write another thing and then wait, and I can play with the stack configuration. Do I need FinFinAC or do I need FinReset? I can control the, t- the SIP stack. Do I need um, FinFinAC or fin? Scene, delay, and request. I can control only many aspects, but it's not a real application. It's a simulation of the application. The device on the test thinks that this is an application. It's replay on, on layer seven. I can control a lot at layer four, though, it sounds like, for sure. Um, like, with, like with TCP, how I do the opens, how I do the closes, um, and yeah. then in the middle. That's, that's all there. I can deal with uh, checksum recalculation if I need to. Yes. I mean, there's t- all the flexibilities there. Now, there's a lot of different flavors of TCP stacks out there, um, different mm-hmm. versions of it, and so on. Is there any one particular? Control. Right, exactly. Congestion control. No, we don't. We, you know, when I started it, I took one BSD implementation, and you know, the the core of of the TCP stack that it's scalable. All the TCP stack out there are written for Linux, or, and they are written for SMP. And take even F stack, that is a library that took everything into user space, because everything here is a user space, right? Usually, TCP is written for the kernel. And the key point was to make it linear scale. If you add more cores, you will get more performance. Usually it's not the case. You know, there is a document that I wrote, and I compared the performance of the kernel and performance of T-Rex on those cases. So you won't be able to, to simulate specific congestion control, like PBR, Google BBR or Cubic and so forth. If you want specific use case on specific TCP stack, you won't be able. But usually it's when you are testing router, you want scale of traffic, scale of flow. You want 50 million flow. Yeah, it's yeah. not possible to do that. Yeah, you're not, you're not really testing, right? You're not really testing 
infrastructure if you're using BBR as such. Yeah. I mean, that's a different sort of an animal. You're really testing network characteristics at that point, and you just test yeah. that with the stack itself. You don't need you know, T-Rex for that. That's not really what it's for. Yes. But it's a good question. Is there a difference in performance between stateless and stateful? It feels like there's a lot more yes. work to be done at stateful. So does that yes. slow me down? Of yes, of course. There is a lot of differences. Because let's, let me give you some number that I remember. So if stateless, for example, in Synatac can do uh, 10 to 20 mega packets per second in one core, stateful can do only three mega packets per second. But it can it does much more because it has the state for every flow you must you must save a state in status you don't need to save a state you just run a program a simple program you can generate one trillion flows in in a few seconds right because you're just changing you don't need to save the state in stateful you need to save a state you need to save a state of the client the server and so forth you need to run the TCP stack code. There is a transmission, no transmission. If there is a drop, you need to save the packet in the queue. A lot of memory that needs to be saved. But although all this code we still get for high performance because in stateful case, you don't need to generate 64 bytes. You are generating real application, and the average packet size is 600 mm -hmm. bytes usually. And in this case, we can reach, with 10 millions of flow, we can reach 200 gig which is, you know, if you buy Spirant in those rates, I'm not, not sure if they can generate that. It could cost you like 200K dollar. Yeah, it's just, yes, they can definitely do it. And it'll be, you know, you've got the, you can write the check, you can get it there. But right, okay. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> right. So, that, and that makes sense. So stateless versus stateful. Stateful is going to be um, not, as, not as high performance as stateless because of everything you just described. There's a lot more going on. Yes. A lot more happening. Yes. Uh, there. Yeah, we are doing the reverse of the router, right? So we are doing the router, by the way. By the way, you won't find the router that ca capable to doing those so freight. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, because the router is doing more job, too, in stateful. So usually it's equal. Now, what's the process for getting T-Rex installed? If I'm like, I want to get this up and running in as few steps as possible, is it just, is there a binary I can download or a package yes. I can add to Linux and I'm off and running or? Yeah, yeah, okay. So let's separate it. In the most use cases that you are using x86 with 64-bit uh, OS, latest OS, any distribution like the Ubuntu or Red Hat or CentOS, you just get a zip file and we package everything, the driver of Mellanoc, you don't need to compile anything. You don't need a DBDK library, nothing. You just take the, the package and run it, and it will run for you. Generate a configuration file, which NIC you want to use, how many code do you want to use. We have a script that you run, DBDK set a port, it scan everything, you are asked which port do you want to use, how many code do you want to use, and that's it. Then you can run it in stateless or stateful, and we have a console and GUI, whatever. Now, is it going to do a do a hardware check for me and tell me that you know, yes. like, like you talked about the importance of the NIC earlier and so on? Um, yeah. Is it going to tell me that I've got a, a problem or I'm, I'm check plus okay to go? Yes, yes, it will tell you. For example, if you have a UCS with two type of NICs, like uh, two Mellanox and two Intel. It will tell you, this is the list of the NICs that capable. You need to choose them. 
Uh, we have a limitation that we, in one instance, you can have many instances of TRXS on the same UCS. One instance can use only one type of SNICs. So you need to, to choose the two Melanox, and you choose the number of cores that you want to allocate it, and that's it. It generates a TRX underscore CFG dot YAML for you, and then you run TRX and you are good to go. Hello, Packet Pushers listeners. Just a quick break to tell you about InterOptic, the reliable data interconnect company. 5G, IoT, 4K video, or any high bandwidth activity is going to require smart decisions at the optics level. InterOptic understands you need a more nimble layer zero, and they support the full range of products you need today and don't yet know you'll need tomorrow. Layer zero is more important than ever, so learn how to spec optics so your network environment can scale with your bandwidth demands. And stop paying OEM prices for optics and start talking to the optics experts who deliver brand-equivalent transceivers at a fraction of the price. And don't be fooled by less reliable optics. The difference between generic, third-party, and brand-equivalent optics matters. There are a lot of cheap products on the market, and it's easy to get confused. So here's some clarity. You can purchase the same, if not better, performing optics designed by engineers who truly understand what you need at a fraction of the cost. It's time to take control of your optics purchase with InterOptic. As your network gets more complex, you want to reduce your risk of downtime, so work with the optics experts at InterOptic. Go to interoptic.com slash packet dash pushers. That's interoptic.com slash packet dash pushers. And now, back to the show. Now, you mentioned YAML, so let's, let's move the conversation away from hardware and performance and into how do I use this thing? How do I interact with T-Rex as an operator? <clears throat> And I, yeah. I went through, again, going through your presentations, I found there's a CLI, there's a, a, a TUI, a text user interface, there's a GUI on Windows, there's Python with an API and <laughs> HLT API. Um, so, so let's walk through these. I mean, at the most basic, I'm going to assume the CLI is the most straightforward way? Um, okay. The most important thing when we started that, it was automation in mind, not GUI. Automation and fast automation. If you take today's Pyrant and Ixia, it takes years to initialize it and, you know, to interact with it. If you change configuration, it takes 30 seconds. By the way, when we changed to T-Rex, all the setups in, in our group, we everything was much faster, like a third of the time, because the interaction between T-Rex, it's a newer technology. 0MQ on top of, uh, and it's faster. So the main point in my head was... There is a server that get command in REST API, and there is the client side, and there is many type of client, and the client is talking with REST API with 0MQ on top of JSON to the T-Rex and tell the T-Rex what to do. For example, I want to load this profile and then start it, and then I want to get statistics, and I want to stop the traffic and so forth. So everything is on top of the RPC on the API. So the CLI, it's a, it's a, it's CLI and two, it's the same. We call it the console. And actually, it's for us, and it was useful to test the T-Rex itself, you know, to create scenario, to load the profile, to start it, and to get statistics live, and because the GUI was behind with the feature. When we add feature, we add immediately the feature to the CLI and the, and the TUI. We call it a TUI because it's a textual uh, user interface. And back then there was a GUI team. I think now they are not. And they added support for uh, stateless. And it works in, on, with Java, so it can work on any machine, Windows, Mac, and Linux. 
and it's working. It's Java-based. There is a library, by the way, for the API, there is a DPDK. It's, it's like SDK. It's called it SDK for the Java, and there is SDK to the Python. The SDK to the Python is part of the T-Rex core, and the CLI and the TUI are using it. And HLT, it's something that, you know, it was requested in Cisco, but we, we, we couldn't support it because, you know, it's a book of 4,000 combination of, of argument to do the same thing. So we created a new API we call, we call inside in Cisco, we call it native API. And this is the API to the traffic generator. In any, and usually what people are doing, they are doing the shim layer between the HLT API, which is the API that uh, XCI Inspirant exposed, to the native API that T-Rex exposed. So it's higher level abstraction to the API. Whew. Okay, that's a lot. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot there to unpack. So let, let's start back at the, 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 the CLI-TUI uh, combined interface there. I think it's better to start with the API because it's the lower level. The API is the lower level to interactive T-Rex. This is how you interact it. On well, okay, that, so if we, if we go that way, um, you said there's a Python SDK for that. So um, yes. if I want to interact that way, I can write my own commands through Python scripts? Is that typically how Python you would consume script, this? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yes, you are import, import trex.stl, and then you are writing something like uh, trex client, connect to this IP, this, uh, this machine, this user, this is the port that I want to own, and you get an object, and then you can play with it. You, uh, you can play and say, hey, I want to load this profile. I want to start it. I want to get statistics. I want to stop it. I want to read the statistic again. I want to uh, reload another thing. I want to change the port attribute, like promiscuous, not promiscuous, uh, change the IP, change the load services on top of that, like DHCP. This is what usually you do. This is the API. We wrap everything in Python API to the RPC. And the RPC, at, at the end, at the lower level of the Python, we are sending on the wire, on the network, a command, JSON, to the server. The server gets the JSON, parse it, and do what you requested. And, and it, that's an instruction. That's basically saying, this is the kind of a test I want you to run, and here's all the parameters, as you just described, yes. all these different things. So, so the yes. API is going to package up that set into a, a JSON uh, blob. It's, or, yes. yeah, it's going to send it exactly. off to the server. The server is going to receive that parse and go, ah, okay, I know what to do. I've got instructions. Here's my parameters. Vroom, off I go. Yes. Now, yes. there's testing happening. There's results that are being uh, accumulated and recorded. How do I see those? How do I know what's happening with my test? Ah, this is an API to read the to read the counter, to read the capture. You can capture in T-Rex itself. There are queues there. Everything is API. Everything is API. It's not send and forget. Like, I want to do this and run it and let me know when it finished. No, you can play with the API all the time. When you start the traffic, you still can call another API while the traffic is on to load another profile or to read the counters or to do something else. So then in my script, after I've kicked things off, then my next step is I'm going to now consume the data that's being generated by the exactly. test, display exactly. it on the screen, uh, make an HTML page out of it, whatever it is I'm going to do. It's structured data coming back to me that I can manipulate however I want to manipulate it. 
Exactly. Usually, you, let's create a simple script in, you know, imaginary script. So you are connecting, you are asking like port zero and port one, and then you are loading the profile. Let's take about stateless. You are loading a stateless profile with three stream. And then nothing happened, right? There is no stream. The server now knows what you want to do, but it, it doesn't do that. And then you do start. I want to start the traffic. So the traffic start, and then you do while loop. Now you are flipping one second and then query the counters. See that everything is good. And then in this loop, you can query the doot. See that the doot is okay. If the doot is still okay, you can stop the traffic and now uh, create a different traffic in higher rate or lower rate to find the point where the drop start or stop. Hey, you didn't break Finish. yet. Let's make it harder for you. Yes, exactly. Dude, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, and Dude is D-U-T, device under test. That's what we're, the object we're talking yes. about here. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you don't have to sit there and manually go, oh, that test didn't break anything. Let's let's And then manually queue up something else. You can just programmatically make it happen and then have the results report back to you. Ah, I finally broke it after, you know, 18 cycles. Exactly. And here's where we got to and what broke it. Yeah. Okay. And then you can do this. The same program you can do with Python SDK and Java SDK. You have a Java SDK. The Ericsson guys are using Java. So everything that we add in the Python, it's added to the Java SDK. Because there is a lot of framework of test. We cannot change the framework, right? In Cisco, there is a framework called ATS, PyATS, and, and there is a lot of framework of test. You cannot change it. If you have a framework in Java, you need to work with Java API to do the same that we talked about. On top of the API, there is the GUI that works with the SDK Java, and CLI 2E that works on the Python API. It's the two branches. And that GUI is part of the package I download that's available to me, and I can I can fire that up and run it, or is it like a separate thing yes. I go get? It's a separate. It's not part of the package. It's a different uh, GitHub that you can download. The same the same uh, parent, right? It's the same T-Rex. T-Rex uh, GitHub, but there is a lot of projects there. One of the projects is the T-Rex GUI, and you can download and try it and connect. It's, it will connect through the same API. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if I don't want to write Python, I've got this uh, this this Java GUI that is going to use leverage the same API and yes. uh, give me some... I, I think you said it maybe is a little bit behind the latest features, okay. something like that. Uh, yeah. Or is it, or is it kept up with you know all the? Um... The TX GUI give you maybe fifty percent of the feature. Uh, it gives you some feature, you know, to to a newbie that want to play with it to see what's mm. happening. In any case, you will need to write code at the end because you will need to do automation, right? We are doing a lot of automation to test TX itself, but if you want to test your DOOT device under test, you need to do an automation that play with the, your DOOT, you configure your device under test, and configure the TREX at the same time, and read the statistics, and read the status, what happened, if it's break, it's not break, so forth. You, automation is basic. You know, mm -hmm. this is the basic that we start. And then the, the CLI TUI, it sounds like, it almost sounds like you don't expect an end user to actually consume that. It's almost like internal for the developers to test with because it's convenient. It started it started like that, but now I, I think in Cisco, everyone used the CLI and TUI, not the GUI, <laughs> okay. because the GUI, it's hard to maintain it. You know, the, the, it's not the same team. So we write feature and they, it's the same problem yeah. in, with Linux, right? In the, in Git, if you have Git, 
the, the GUI of the Git, you know, Linux created the Git, and the GUI for the Git is not that good because yeah. they... <laughs> I get it. Get it. Okay. Okay. So I, I think I understand how I'm going to consume this thing, how I'm going to use this. For network engineers that are you know more operators and not developers that aren't used to writing a script to make something happen, maybe at first it's a little intimidating, but the way you were describing, once you bring that, uh, that ST, uh, SDK into Python and begin writing scripts and you can create an object and then act on it, the language is going to be pretty intuitive. I haven't actually spent the time to do this with T-Rex specifically, but Python and Python libraries, when you, if it's a well-written library, and you can you can consume it awfully intuitively, especially if there's some documentation yes. there. So it's I, a few. You can copy. There is a lot of examples. You can copy an example, walk an example, and then change it and examine it. Everything is fast. Once you connect and change, it's millisecond. You know, to do every API because the information is it's on the wire very fast. Hmm. Receive transmit is few millisecond. So you can play with it, and there is, by the way, a Docker that you can consume T-Rex. You can run a Docker on a Windows, on Linux, or Mac, and run T-Rex, and then connect on a native GUI to the Docker and play with it and play with automation and see that everything, you don't need the real hardware first. I just use the, use the Docker image instead. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, the, the Docker thing threw my mind to a different direction. That's okay. Uh <laughs> Uh, Docker and the Docker container, and you reminding me that there is, uh, you know, Azure and a cloud consumption option as well. So uh, again, that's yeah. yet another option if I don't want to provide hardware. Uh, you said that's that's going on with Microsoft Azure. Is that also going to be yeah. uh, GCP or uh, AWS? Yeah, in AWS. Yeah, in AWS, you can run T-Rex on AWS. Don't break the network, but you can, you know, uh, actually in, in AWS, you won't be able to break the network because Amazon is doing, um, Amazon is doing something there that to, to throttle you. The performance yeah, I was going to say, that, <laughs> yeah, Amazon's not going to let that happen. They, they got, they're all over that. Yeah, they're real, real good at uh, throttling and controlling how much traffic you're putting on the wire. Yeah. yeah. Um, However, in Microsoft, they can do it fast with the new architecture now. With Mellanox, um, there is um, it's called FaceSafe driver that talk bidirectional to Mellanox and optimize opt, flow optimized flow are going to the Mellanox and it's run fast because it's SRIOV mode. It's directly to the hardware like a DPDK. I can the non-optimized packet like the scene or the first UDP packets that Christy four byte are going to the virtual. Para virtual interface of Microsoft. So you can reach very high rate there, and you can attack someone. Another footnote for the audience here. Now, we've mentioned DPDK. We've mentioned, and you just brought up SRILV. Um, so if you're in the audience and you don't know anything about what that stuff is or what it what it is, the, we're getting into how Linux processes packets, the difference between kernel space and user space, and then different tools that have been written to allow, basically to allow that code to access hardware directly and bypass the kernel. Um, and we've done some podcasts on this. So if you go to packetpushers.net and do a search for DPDK, do a search for SRIOV, you're going to get lots of hits of things that we've done. Probably it goes back two, three years when this stuff was starting to become more prevalent. It's, it's pretty commonplace now. A lot of different tools are using this, have been for a while. But uh, just, just so you're aware, if you don't, don't understand any of that, not sure what those acronyms are all about, we got content for you. Um, back to the API question, Hannah. Um, You've mentioned the, the API and how it's consumed. There's a Java SDK, there's a Python SDK we can use to consume that. 
Now, I think in the presentations of yours that I was reading, I ran across an HLT API that kind yes. of passed me by. Could you explain what that is? Okay, yeah. HLT API is, there was, um, I think, 20 years ago, there was a consensus that all the traffic generator API will be in the same format. So if I write a test with Spirant and I want to move to Ixia, uh, I will be able to move. The problem that 20 years ago, uh, the language was Tickle. And Tickle, you know, it's a language was like a dictionary of options. So if I want, for example, to generate uh, DHCP with specific range, there was a crypto uh, fields in the parameter that say, hey, DHCP, increment uh, IP, something like, you know, we couldn't simulate all the options. And there was a book of 50,000 page of all the combination of the API. <laughs> so uh, th this is HLT API. And by the way, there was a divergence between Spirant and Ixia. They don't support. So if you move from Spirant to Ixia, you need to change the API. It's a bit the same, but not exactly. So at first we created uh, some shim layer that take HLT, specific maybe 20 argument, and convert it to native. But then there is the, you know, the use cases that doesn't work, and then we said, okay, we cannot support it. If you want to use T-Rex, create abstraction in your application, in your test, for Ixia, for Spirant, and for T-Rex, and use native API. So we are not, as an open source, we are not recommending HLT API. We, don't, we are not removing it, but, and by the way, most of the tests, the old test in Cisco was written in HLT because this is what it was, right? It was X inspire and then the HLT API with Tickle was, and there is, by the way, now in Cisco, there is a PyATS that moved the argument to the Tickle and Tickle is sending it to the XS. It's really slow. <laughs> so it, don't use HLT API. This is what you need to say to, okay. to remember. <laughs> well, th that was that was really interesting. I had no idea that there was ever an agreement between um, yeah. test test equipment providers of a common uh, file format. So that is that is interesting. Yeah. Um, it By sounds the way, like it just yeah. it just for stateless for stateful. There wasn't a, wasn't an agreement because it became much much more complex. Mm. So again, it's a least maybe you've got some you know test files kicking around that support this format and you could reuse them. But you know your your point is yeah, don't bother because not even Ixie and Spirant are following this formatting anymore. Um, it's a low, least common denominator sort of format. It sounds like that's gonna you know, limit you in in some of the testing that you can do. Is what I'm what I'm hearing is kind of what I'm interpreting you to say. Just stick with the regular API and do things that way with T Rex. Yeah, learn, learn the traffic generator that you are using, abstract it in your use in your application. So usually, you know, everyone uses ten percent, different ten percent. So abstract this ten percent. If you want, by the way, there, there is an open source project that used T-Rex, and then one of the project is from Cisco that are testing virtual uh, switches. They started with, okay, we do an abstraction to our test. We are supporting Ixia, Spirant, and T-Rex. At the end, they removed the Ixia and Spirant because they didn't want to support it. You know, it was big hassle and T-Rex provide to them. So decide for yourself what is your requirement, and maybe only T-Rex is good. Maybe only Spirant is good. 
We'll be back to this podcast shortly, but we're going to talk about ExtraHop, a Packet Pusher sponsor first. Your job probably includes managing applications, network infrastructure, and so on. But how do you do that when you can't even see everything those apps are running on, when half the network the app is running across isn't even yours? Add to that SDN changing things in automated ways that maybe feel out of your control, or devs and other business units firing up their own cloud instances and then expecting you to support it even though you've got zero instrumentation. These scenarios are some of the ways that ExtraHop can help. ExtraHop is a leader in network analytics, and they help you consolidate tools into their analytics platform and make sense of application performance running over infrastructure that's sprawled beyond your data center and across the internet and then into the cloud. ExtraHop offers complete visibility and leverages machine learning to help you make sense of the mountain of metadata about your network, and in the end, you can make informed decisions about your IT stack and do it quickly. If you go to extrahop.com slash packet pushers, you can find out more about the ExtraHop performance platform. Once more, that is extrahop.com slash packet pushers. And now back to the show. Uh, a couple of the follow-up questions before we wrap up, uh, Anak. We've uh, <laughs> we're coming up on an hour here of great content. This is <laughs> this has been a wonderful conversation. Um now one of the things I wanted to follow up on, you said I have the ability to craft uh, unusual packets. I can do, um, you know, kind of make a packet do whatever I want. And uh, something you haven't talked about yet that I know is in your presentations is the the field engine. Could you talk about the yeah. field engine and how I can use that to make strange yeah. packets? Yeah, field engine is not for strange packet. First, the context is stateless. Okay, the stateless. Uh, for stateful, you don't have this capability. But in stateless, you can have each stream has a template packet, like I'm taking a scene packet, and the field engine is the program that I want to run inside T-Rex in very high rate, in 10 megapackets per second. What to do with this packet? Every packet. For example, I want every packet to change the source IP and the source port with the scene packet. This will create scene attack on specific destination. So the field engine is a description of the program that I want to run every packet on the server side, this is the field engine. So for example, I can write a program that change the TOS, change the source IP, and, set, and change the source uh, port of the UDP packet, or the TCP SYN packet. And by that, create a SYN attack. Yeah, okay, I get it. On the uh, stateless, how do I make these packets different as I create this stream? You don't want an identical packet going out, you're gonna modify yes. them in some way, the field engine will do that. Okay. Dynamically. So, Dynamically in the server, I want to generate millions of different flow. I don't want to generate millions of, of streams because it's slow. Once I, I get this, the profile uploaded and I start the traffic, I want to generate 20 million. I don't want back and forth to load a new stream. You are limited with the number of streams to 20K or 30K. I don't remember the exact number. But you want one stream that generates millions of flows. So this is this is the field engine. Okay, so there's the, the, something I missed here then on that. So so that I understand. Everything you explained was clear. Um, but somehow I got the idea that I could do, like I can do with Austin Auto, I can really go bonkers and kind of fill in different fields with different values yes, and stuff. Yes, you can and, do any field. The field engine is, is, this is the nice thing about that. You can write a program. You can create a variable that is in the context of the stream, and then you can write this variable or, or read a bit or write a bit any anything any any place in the packet. So I can do weird things. I I could do you some. You can create. Yeah. A lot of weird things. Yeah. You can do anything. 
Just an example. Okay, so that, that's, not, that's not the main use of Field Engine. Field Engine is going to be, you know, like, like more as you described it, a more straightforward kind of thing. But I can make some really I, oddball, non-conformant yes. packets with the Field Engine if I want. Yes. It's a program. It's a small program, limited program, that runs in the server. You build it in the client. You build it using Python the, in the language that you know. And then you... We compile it in the server side and run it very, very fast in the, in the data path, in the DPDK. Got so it. this is the flexibility that we give to the, to the engineer that write the program, that try and run the attack, write something in stateless. In oh. stateful, what we are doing, we are having some other mechanism. It's instruction in the layer 7. Write this, expect this. Uh, wait for this, do a random here, and so forth. Yeah, this because is... you have state. You have state. You can have many type of application. So there was less needed field engine, but still there, there is a use case for field engine. In case of RTP, you want to load an RTP simulator to measure the latency in RTP. We don't have this capability yet. There's a, there's a ton of power there. Yeah, a, a disturbing yes. amount of power to do very bad things, even if you wanted to, yes. I suppose. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can attack. You can attack anyone you like in the cloud. So <laughs> you can run and everything. Right. And every, by the way, I didn't mention that you can run T-Rex on any router today. There is a Docker that you can run on any router, and then you can connect for the Cat 9K. I think you can connect. There is a Docker hub that you can download the T-Rex and connect to one port, and you have 10 gig that you can generate the traffic through a port in the switch. It You're talking about specifically within the within the Cisco ecosystem. I can I can pull up a Docker repository, uh, download that Docker container to my Cisco uh, Nexus yeah Nexus nine K switch, and then the container will see that that switch hardware will recognize it and can uh, generate yes. traffic. Yeah, wow, that's that's actually really it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I don't know how many users it, but uh, it's possible. Because it's a software, yeah, right, uh, on top of DPDK, and DPDK can run on any environment, virtual, not virtual, physical, Linux driver, and, and so we can run, you can port it to any, anything, hmm. even on ARM, on power machine, and you can add your capability if you want to test specific feature, if you have a specific router or specific capability, and you, you require scale, you, you, you add that. By the way, we added in the last feature, the last feature that we added is the capability of uh, routing protocol, like BGP, OSPF in high scale. We are using BIRD, BIRD daemon for that. We mm -hmm. are connecting the BIRD through VET, and then because BIRD is written very good in high scale, you can generate millions of routes, and it goes through T-Rex, and then in parallel, this is the power, that in parallel you can generate route and then match traffic that match to the route. Okay, just just my mind just just exploded there for a second. I had I hadn't thought about T Rex in this sort of a role at all. So you described a scenario where I can do a load testing of routes where I'm because you, you're you're leveraging birds, so I can not slam. Only, not only, yeah, not yeah. only, you are first push let twenty million route on BGP. Now, in the, once you push them, uh, it's slow. It's only differences, right? So you push it in a few seconds. You have 20 million route. Now you want to push streams that match to those routes or doesn't match. You decide. 
So in the middle, the routing protocol works. All the packet that match to the bird, we forward it to the bird, and then daemon, and then we are sending traffic, high-rate traffic, 100 million packet per second of traffic that match, and then you can test the dude if it can, it can run with the TCAM on those 20 million routes. <laughs> How to make a router cry. <laughs> oh, okay, one more follow-up question for you here. So we were talking about JSON uh, earlier. That is... Um, the configuration data for a particular test, all the parameters and instructions are going to be sent down to the server in a JSON blob. You also had mentioned YAML earlier, and, and sometimes a network engineer might conflate uh, JSON and, uh, and YAML um, as like, oh, I'd use one or the other, but typically I don't use both. But here they're doing very different things. You've got JSON is what the API compiles in the background and, and gets sent down the server. We never really see that. But uh, you don't the, see the, that, yeah. the, the role of YAML here is, is different. Can you tell us what uh, T-Rex is using YAML yes. for and how I might interact yes. with it? When, we, when I started this thing a few years ago, there wasn't an API. There was a profile that was written in YAML and the TRX configuration is written in YAML. TRX configuration is one one-time thing that you do. You are specifying what is the port that you want to use, what is the platform, what is how many cores, which core, and so it's, you don't need to touch it. One, it once, it's not once. The profile was written in YAML in the old days. Today, everything is Python. Everything is API, so you don't need to mess with YAML anymore. Even the profile itself is a Python. You write code to specify the um, the profile itself, either in stateless or stateful. So everything is either Java or either Python. Okay, so the, your point then about YAML is uh, at this point, no it's, YAML at all. It's antiquated. Yeah, yeah that's not not something yeah. I'm going to be using anymore. Got it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um. Now T Rex is open source, uh, Anuk, and uh, from what I can tell, you're the one doing most of the contributions, if not all of them. That seems to be like your role in the world, uh, you know, and at Cisco is focused very much on code development for the T-Rex project. But uh, are there other developers involved? If other people wanted to yeah. be involved in development, could they get involved with this? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, by the way, I'm not, I wasn't the main, you know, I started this project and then there was a team in Cisco of uh, four that we did most of the the development. You can you can see in GitHub we, we develop uh, what uh, Yaroslav, uh, Itai Marom, and uh, Ido Barnea. This is the main, you know, the core. Now, but, every, you know, it's not the main focus for us. Uh, we are doing more more things. Uh, but Ericsson now is contributing a lot of stuff for stateful and stateless. For example, multiple profile of stateless, multiple profile of stateful. You can load multiple profile and remove profile dynamically something that they added, a lot of uh, bug fixes that they, they support. And there are guys from um, Microsoft, guys from uh, Mellanox that, that added the support. Um, yeah, you can, you know, it's an open source. You can contribute. There's mm -hmm. no problem. I didn't mean to give you all the credit, Anna. I should have dug into the GitHub a little <laughs> bit. It's just, as far as recent commits, I happen to notice your GitHub account had been doing a lot of commits lately, so I, I made a bad assumption yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you were, you were the one. I maintain one, it, but. yeah. Yeah. yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And so, okay, people can get involved uh, on GitHub. Uh, and like I noticed this is Cisco-System-Traffic-Generator is the hierarchy that I spotted this under. <laughs> is that that is that right? Correct, yeah. This is yeah. The, the way to contribute. There is a, in GitHub, you have a pull request 
So you can create a pull request, you can ask questions. We have a mailer uh, in Google Form, the Google Forum uh, T-Rex Traffic Generator, and you can, there's about six, 700 people that are active there and ask questions. Usually, bug a question that something doesn't work. And I hope that there will be more questions like, I hope to see this feature and this feature and so Well, this has been an excellent conversation, Anak. I've enjoyed it absolutely thoroughly. <laughs> this has been great. Um, so I found the T-Rex homepage at trex-tgn.cisco.com. Uh, there's documentation up there. Some of Anok's presentations are up there. And one more time, T-Rex on GitHub, Cisco-System-Traffic-Generator. And you can find uh, the code repository there and more. Um, Anok, is there anywhere else people you should go or that you'd like to direct them to? Um, do you have a, a personal blog or a Twitter account or anything like that you'd like to share with folks? No, we don't have a Twitter, but uh, we have a Google form, that mailer that's very active. So you can ask questions. Uh, ask for a feature, say what doesn't work for you, etc. And you will get answer in a day or two. On the Google forum. All right. I will see if I can dig up the link for that if you're listening and want yeah, to participate in, in the, that. And, in the uh, doc. Yeah. Okay. In the doc you can find it. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that is going to wrap it up for our show today. This has been a great conversation about T-Rex, the traffic generator. And if you like shows like this, hey, PacketPushers.net. This was the heavy networking show, but we've got other shows as well, like a Day 2 Cloud. Uh, there's, there's, there's lots more uh, nerdy, technical, IT engineering-oriented shows. We have a newsletter, Human Infrastructure Magazine, that we publish weekly. You can uh, go up to PacketPushers.net slash newsletter and sign up for that there. We're on Twitter at Packet Pushers. We're on LinkedIn. Um, you can find us in those places. If you want to support us directly, the way to do that is become a premium member, ignition.packetpushers.net. 99 bucks a year, you support us directly, and you get access to a whole bunch of content courses and white papers that we're writing that we don't publish anywhere else. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>